0: Too sexy for my shit, too sexy for my shit, so sexy it hurts. I'm too sexy for my line. too sexy for my land, New York and Japan. I'm too sexy for your party, too sexy for your party, no way I'm disco dancing. I'm too sexy for your party. I'm a model. You know what I mean, and I do a little turn on the catwalk. Yeah, on the catwalk. Yeah, on the catwalk. And yeah, I do a little turn on the catwalk. Hello, and welcome to another round Of podcasts connected to our Dirty Thirty Five, the top thirty-five prospects in the Cardinals organization, is brought to you by Birds on the Black. I am Kyle Reese. I am your host. I am the maniac who's been giving you these uh, these write-ups. I hope you like them. I hope you're enjoying them. This is round two uh, of of our podcast. In the first round of podcasts, we went over prospects thirty-five through thirty-one. This round, we're going to go over thirty through twenty-six. Again. We're going to continue to do these in five prospect increments. Uh, To get you caught up, prospects 35 through 31, 35 is Ron Hel-Ravello, 34 is Jake Walsh, 33 is Justin Williams, 32 is Delvin Perez, and 31 is Chase Pinder. So that gets us to prospect number 30. Uh, I guess before we get to prospect number 30, I want to say one more time, you can find me on Twitter at KYLER416. Uh, Hit me up with your questions, your comments, your thoughts. Tell me what you would like. Tell me what we can do differently. Tell me what appeals to you. Uh, I want to please you like one of my French girls. Uh, Also, uh, hit me up at Yahoo. Uh, My email address is kyler416 at yahoo.com. If you have any thoughts or any comments, let me know. Let's make this, again, uh, I want the Dirty 35 to be the Cardinals prospect countdown of the people. So let's make it ours. Prospect number 30 on our countdown is right-handed pitcher Connor Jones. Now, the thing about Connor Jones, uh, I guess to preface all this before we even get into his time uh, in the Cardinals organization, is that Connor Jones went to the University of Virginia. Now, not to get too much into detail, but I'll tell you that most of the pitchers that are drafted out of the University of Virginia end up fizzling out at the minor league level. Sean Doolittle went to the University of Virginia, I believe, uh, and he actually was a converted fielder. So he doesn't even apply here. And the reason is Virginia teaches their pitches a certain amount, a certain mechanic. They have to pitch that way, and they have to use a certain repertoire. So when they get to repertoire, uh, so Jesus. So when they get to the, the minors, like teams are playing with them and screwing with them and trying to get them uh, uh, right. And it takes a little bit longer. Uh, bottom line with Connor Jones, he has a power sinker, an interesting curveball. And some other secondary offerings that need a lot of work. His power sinker when he's pitching out of relief, which he did at the end of the 2018 season. uh, He got a quick promotion, I believe, in July to Memphis where he was unsuccessful as a starter. And when they sent him back down to Springfield, he was uh, specifically a relief pitcher. Then he went to the Arizona Fall League and he was a relief pitcher. The best way to describe Connor Jones as a prospect up until now is that he's fine. He does some interesting stuff. Uh, you're going to be hearing a whistle here in a second. That's my tea kettle going nuts. Uh, yeah, what can I say? I'm a fancy man. I like a good tea. Um, the thing about Connor Jones is that uh, you know he he's just kind of fine. His stuff looks really good sometimes, and you think to yourself, man, maybe this guy has it. Maybe he has it, but he has trouble repeating his delivery, and he slows down his arm when he throws his breaking pitch, and I'm willing to bet that he tips his pitches, as the Cardinals have worked, to refine his mechanics. Uh, it's been a bit of an arduous process, but the thing is, his stuff is really good, and it's just a matter of honing it. Uh, will he be pitching out of a rotation? Will he be pitching uh, out of relief? Only time will tell. I would like for him to go back down to Memphis this coming year, start the year in Memphis, Pitch out of the stretch as much as possible, so he's prepared for his eventual role in the bullpen. One of the positive things about his time in the Arizona Fall League is that his velocity ticked up to about 98, that hard sinker that he has, which can be devastating. It does profile as a potential plus pitch. And his curveball that I really like, too, that has a potential to be a a well above average pitch, a very good pitch. Uh, Those two pitches, I want to see him throwing them out of the the stretch more. That's going to help him in his career in the long run. Uh, Connor Jones right now is a starting pitcher in the Cardinals organization who profiles best as a relief pitcher in the long term. In the article, you know, I'm goofy. You guys know that. Uh, but in the article, the write-up, I, I mentioned that I view him as the kind of person who is like half Mike Myers, half Seth Manis. He's going to induce a ton of ground balls, but he's going to do it with higher velocity. That's the Mike, May- the Mike Myers part. The higher velocity is that uh, his pitches will have better movement than Myers. Uh, better movement than Manus. Uh, it's just a matter of how he executes it if he can repeat his del- delivery. But uh, Connor Jones goes on the list because he's going to make a major league debut as long as he stays healthy. And there's a good chance that a major league impact is going to come with that in some capacity, more than likely out of the bullpen. But with a little refinement uh, of a changeup cutter, you just might see uh, Connor Jones be a little bit more than that. But uh, only time will tell. Speaking of right handed relief pitchers, Prospect number 29 on the Dirty 35 countdown here at Birds on the Black is right-handed relief pitcher Seth Elledge. Now, Seth Elledge is relatively new to the organization. Uh, He was brought in for Sam Tuovalala from Seattle uh, last season. Now, you know, the thing about Sam Tuovalala was he was a converted position player that had a high velocity and a slider that would show signs of being more than just an average pitch. Uh, but never really materialized on a consistent basis, except for 2017 when he put it together at the end of the 2017 season as part of the Cardinals bullpen. Seth Elledge is a big-bodied, more than likely large-dicked. Cards Gibson, I think he has a probably a pretty big member. Uh, that's you know, I would say like a 60-grade member. Uh, but anyways, getting away from that, like, the thing about Seth Elihage is that he's a big body who throws with his entire body. Uh, there's conflicting reports about his slider curve. I've got to tell you, I've heard him call it a curve. I know other publications have called it a slider. To me, it's a curve. Uh, it, it can be beautiful. He uses it well with itself. So he'll drop it in, uh, you know, alone outside on a righty, and then he'll refine it and Paint the outside corner. He does an extremely well with that job with that. Now, the other thing that separates... And the reason I keep going to Sam Tuovallala as I talk about uh, uh, Elledge, other than just the fact that they were traded for each other, is that Elledge, he doesn't have the velocity that Tuovallala had, but his fastball is more impressive. He can do more with it. He commands it better. Uh, his curveball, because he's been able to work on it as a relief pitcher from Dallas Baptist... Uh, and now a relief pitcher in the Cardinals organization. He's been working on it nonstop. It's not something that he's just learning within the Cardinals organization. So his curveball, <clears throat> pardon me, I apologize. I'm still trying to get over this cold. His curveball is better than Tuvalala's slider was at the same point in his development. Uh, Tui's breaking pitch was only really good that 2017 when he was healthy. Uh Elledge, I think Elledge is right there now. He has a little bit of command, control he needs to work on. Uh, I made a point of including GIFs where he's throwing a lot of balls because I wanted to show you that his stuff is really good, but he still has trouble commanding it. Uh, It's all there, the potential to be a bullpen relief option in the middle innings. Uh, is there. Now he doesn't have the natural raw stuff where you would say, "All right, this guy could be a closing candidate." That hurts him because again, he only tops out at like 96 velocity-wise. His curveball can be above average. It's basically average cuz of consistency issues. But the one thing that sets this kid apart is that he just has that intangible that you look for out of relief pitchers where he steps up to the plate when tough when times get tough. I like him a lot. And when he pitched for Memphis, he led up three home runs in 11 innings at Springfield over uh, uh, his time at Springfield, got promoted to Memphis for the Memphis playoffs. He was super impressive then. Like, that's when he really stood out. His stuff was biting. Uh, he was he just looked good, and he looked in command, and he looked in control. He seems to have that bulldog, bulldog mentality that you would want out of a relief pitcher uh, in the, the late innings for sure. Uh, that brings us to prospect number 28. Now, prospect number 28 is going to be really interesting because I— Up until recently, I didn't think any other publication had even written about him or talked about him. I haven't heard anybody mention him. Uh, The only reason I know him is because I was looking through stats one day, and I thought, wow, this kid's actually really impressive, and then I went back and watched a bunch of his starts. Uh, Anyways, prospect number 28 on our list is right-handed pitcher Angel Rondon. Rondon will be entering his age 21 season. He spent 88 innings at Peoria. That's a full season club for a 20-year-old. And while he, again, another issue of velocity. They say he tops out at 94. He lives in the low 90s. That's part of the reason, pardon me again. <coughs> pardon me again. I'm sorry about that. That's part of the reason why you haven't heard much about him. I'm going to hit this T real fast. Mm. Basically, the Dirty 35 podcast is prospects after dark, but just not drunk and not going as absolutely fast as I can. I don't really have very much information other than what's in my head in front of me. So uh, it's very well improvised, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Rondone doesn't throw for a lot of velocity 94 tops, low 90s. He has a lightning quick arm. Uh, his mechanics are smooth until the end of his throw, and then he's violent to the first base side when he finishes. Has kind of a weird arm angle too. It's not like it's not that whip side that Carlos Martinez th- shows as a Dominican born starting pitcher. It's a little bit more over the top, a little bit more three quarters than it is over the top, as a matter of fact. He's really impressive. Uh, he throws a curveball that it goes flat, but sometimes it's devastating, especially backdoored on a lefty. I love the way he can throw it against a lefty. That's something that really, really impresses me. Now, the problem is, he nibbles with the damn thing. And he's really bad against lefties. He held, he uh, allowed like <clears throat> a 7.751 OPS against lefties last year. Nearly six of his ten home runs in less at-bats uh, were against lefties. He struggles against lefties. But let me tell you right now, his low 90s fastball, his impressive curve... I think he throws a four-seam fastball, not just the sinker. He has kind of a hard—his primary fastball is a hard sinker. I also believe he throws a four-seamer. Uh, this curveball, which I am really, really impressed with when it's on, when he can command it. Uh, and then he throws what I think is kind of a lame-duck changeup I haven't seen enough of. I want to go back and watch more of when the opportunity presents itself. And I think he toys with the slider or cutter, too. Uh, those last two pitches still have, leave a lot to be desired part of the reason he's on the list is as a 20 year old pitching at a full season level for almost 100 innings 88 innings uh to allow a batting average against of .220 and a whip under th- or uh, a whip about one one two and an ERA right about 3 although his FIP was high his FIP was like 4.12 which I again I appreciate but I think it's a little misleading I think his ERA uh, I think it should be somewhere Closer to like 3-7, three, 3-6. Three, Either way, it's impressive. He has a good repertoire. He has a good command of the strike zone. His light and quick arm and motion he repeats. Uh, he has deception in his windup. He's really, really interesting. And I'm anxious to see where his 2019 begins. Because if I'm the Cardinals, I'm moving him to Palm Beach. I keep him in the same rotation as Johan Oviedo and Alvaro Sejas. I push him along a little bit. Maybe Fagalde and Walsh there, too. We'll, you know, we'll see. Uh, depending on how aggressive the Cardinals are with Alex Figalde. But anyways, I want him at Palm Beach. I'm going to keep pushing this kid because he has a command to do it. It's just a matter of how his stuff is going to translate. I like Angel Rondone a lot. I think you should keep a close eye on him. And if I had to pick one pitcher on the Dirty 35 to be the surprise breakout prospect in the Cardinals organization uh, during the 20... 19 season. Uh, again, who's on the Dirty 35. I'm going Rondon, uh with Michael Baird, who isn't on the Dirty 35, but was on our list of prospects to keep an eye on. Uh, eye out on. Uh, I would put him as maybe a, a second there. Uh, also, a quick shout out why my brain does its thing to Ronnie Williams, who's coming back from Tommy John surgery, who should be ready very, very shortly. Uh, pitching out of the bullpen, I'm anxious to see what he does. But uh, that's hell Rondon. Remember, there's there's an issue against lefties. To wrap up, to wrap up Rondon, because I kind of rambled there. Uh, he has an issue, an issue against lefties. His curveball goes flat. Uh, his fastball is good, but it has low velocity. He probably throws a two seam, a, a sinker rather, a four seam, a curve, and then he screws around with two other pitches. It's just a matter of getting it all on par. But for him to be able to do what he did at Peoria warrants more attention than what it's getting. Uh, because it really is impressive. His curveball lacks consistency. And when it's consistent, he's almost unhittable just between fastball, two-seamer, and uh, the curve. So keep a close eye on Hal Rondon as he enters his age 21 season playing at a full-season club. Uh, I really, really like this kid. Prospect number 27 on our Dirty 35 countdown here. Birds on the Black is second baseman Max Schrock. Hold on. I got to cough again. <laughs> God, I'm disgusting. Again, I apologize. Uh, so Max Schrock, you guys know him, is one of the prospects acquired for Steven Piscotty from the Oakland A's last year. Uh, Max Schrock is just a kid who doesn't strike out. He strikes out like 8% of the time. He'll never strike out more than 12% of the time. Uh, he was a top 15, top 10 prospect in the Cardinals organization entering 2018, and it just... He got off to a great April. He had an amazing April where he was hitting and playing a really good second base. And then from May until the end of the Memphis run in September, the Memphis playoff run in September, he got increasingly worse every year, or every month, rather. And let me tell you what I saw. I saw a guy who hit into a lot of weak contact, uh, what I call Jason Hayward contact, to the second baseman as a lefty, a lot of grounder weak contact. That really hurt him. And the reason he was doing that is this kid who doesn't strike out a lot, who has an elite contact tool. He has a like 70, 75 grade elite Contact tool. You guys know me, I always stay away from the 80s, but if I had to pick one kid to make contact with anything on earth, he's the one I'm picking, uh, at least in the Cardinals minor league system. What he ended up doing in 2018 was expanding his strike zone a lot. Uh, he had never seen the pitches that he was seeing, and because he can make contact with everything, he was making contact with everything, but it was at a detriment to himself, uh, to his progression. And then he got lost on, he got lost. He got caught swimming. He got lost down the rabbit hole trying to climb his way out. Uh, and what ended up happening is he got aggressive looking for fastballs and was getting beat on breaking pitches but being defensive and fisting him to the second baseman on grounders. And his approach that I saw in Midland completely tanked between Double A AA and AAA uh, going from Midland to Memphis. It was a transformation. And... Again, because he makes elite contact and because he'll be taking his second turn through the Pacific Coast League at AAA, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a statistical rebound. He's the kind of player that you bank on because he doesn't strike out a lot and he makes contact. Now, it's just a matter of where that hard contact's going to come from. Again, this is a player who's never struck out, ever. He didn't strike out in college. uh, He's never struck out in the minor leagues. And part of me wonders if maybe going from a guy who strikes out 8% of the time to a guy who strikes out 12% of the time but is trying to drive the baseball, has a better understanding of what he's going to do and counts, will actually do him better in the long run. Uh, I see 5-10 to home run power in there, uh, with 10 like a likelihood. But I I think until he decides to commit to driving the baseball, not putting the ball in the air here, he needs to work on driving the baseball. he's always going to be a five home run guy who swings it more than he needs to. But if he can just get that patient part of his approach back and emphasize driving the baseball, he'll find his way back up the list easy. I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking about a guy who goes from 27 on my list to 17 on my list by the mid-season point, not just because guys are graduating off, but because he's that talented. Uh, he just needs a rebound, a reset. Now, the one thing that is very encouraging about his 20... Uh, 18 season was that there were questions about his defensive ability at second base, and I have to tell you that he took some pretty substantial steps forward as a defensive second baseman, and that's a huge positive. I I can't tell you how awesome uh, and how positive that is for him. Uh, you know, he he ranges well to both sides. He ranges better to second base to his right than he does to his left. So, sorry, pardon me again, <coughs> guys. I'm dying. I'm going to get a cough drop. How about that? Um, He ranges better to his right than he does to his left. His arm isn't amazingly strong, but it's strong enough to make a play in the hole. He played 14 games at third base. I have no feel for what kind of a third baseman is. It seems like it's going to be fine, but I'm not 100% sure. He played four games in the outfield. I have no feel of that. I can't tell you what that was like or what that looked like or anything. Uh, But... The one big positive that I took out of a season is that he played a really, really good defensive second baseman. And as someone who the question was, would he, could he be in, like, a slightly below average second baseman at the Major League level if he made it? Well, I can tell you that this kid is just slightly above average as a second baseman right now. That's a positive. Again, you don't need great defense at second base. Just ask uh, Shaw from Milwaukee or soon-to-be Mike Mustakis from Milwaukee. You just need good positioning. Uh, So if he can convert over to third, have a little utility in his game, anything could happen for him. But it's still nice to see him ranging better at second base. He turned the double play really well, too. That was another area of improvement. But that's Max Schrock. You know, uh, he's going to make a lot of contact. A lot of it's weak right now. It needs to be harder. Wouldn't mind seeing him open his stance up up a little bit like he did in 2017. I think that would help him. Uh, But uh, he had a terrible—his 2018 season went as bad as it possibly could for him. Hopefully 2019 doesn't do the same thing. The Cardinals left him exposed to the Rule 5 draft, so that kind of tells you where he's at in their minds. Max Schrock, prospect number 27. We'll conclude this leg of the Dirty 35 podcast system, or whatever the hell we're going to call this thing, uh, with prospect number 26, catcher. Dennis Ortega. Now, Dennis Ortega is a 21-year-old who just concluded a season at Palm Beach. Or at uh, Peoria, I mean. Sorry. He'll be at Palm Beach more than likely. In 2019, I'm going to get a hit of tea real fast. Again, sorry about this throat thing, family, as I choke on my tea. Uh, The deal with Dennis Ortega. He's a really, really good defensive catcher. He gets a little weird at sometimes, as you would expect from a 21-year-old at a full-season level, but he has all the intangibles that you would want out of a catcher. You can tell he's a great game caller. Uh, again, sometimes sometimes it gets weird, but for the most part, great game caller. He throws guys out at second base from his knees. He, I would say his arm is plus-plus. Uh, he frames the ball well. You'll see that in the article. Keep an eye on that. Uh, It's just everything is there. He needs to work on consistency, just like any 21-year-old catcher does. Uh, He'll need to always work on consistency. The big step forward, uh, again, in his defense, I want to say this right now, his defensive potential is almost good enough alone to keep him on the dirty 35. Where he made the big strides and puts him at 26 on the list is the offensive outbreak that he had at Peoria. Now, Keep in mind, an offensive outbreak for him is in 250 at-bats or 250 plate appearances, whatever it was, he had eight home runs and 13 doubles. Uh, He's not going to hit the cover off the ball. You're not talking about an Andrew Kisner-level offensive performer here. He's not going to be that. Uh, But he went from in 500-something at-bats at at the lowest level of the minor leagues, not having 18 doubles. It's like 547 plate appearances or 547 Um, at-bats. About 550. He went from having... 18 doubles and no home runs uh, to 250 at-bats having 13 doubles and 8 home runs. Uh, His swing looks nice. And you know what? It's got, as a right-handed swinger, it's got right field alley power. That's interesting to me. He opened up his stance a little bit. He incorporated, you can tell that his hands are a little bit lower. And I think that's helping him generate a little bit more power. His bat looks quicker than it ever has. It's not super fast. uh, But he's doing what he can and he made big strides. And I'll tell you what, if those numbers continue to translate, he's going to be a legitimate option as a backup to either Yachty or Molina or Andrew Kisner over the next three to four years, uh, depending on when Yadi retires, if he ever decides to retire. Uh, it's all about continuing that momentum now. Ortega's season is divided into two halves. Uh, the first half, he hit extremely well. He looked like he had turned the corner as a prospect, uh, hitting. Got hurt. God, I want to say, I don't remember what the injury was. I want to say it was a hamstring. I don't remember for sure, and I'm sorry about that. Got hurt the hamstring, missed a couple weeks, came back, and hit terribly. He started slugging a little bit more, but he was hitting terribly. Uh, His approach tanked. We need to make sure that we see either a combination uh, when, you know, for Ortega moving forward, he either needs to be a combination of his first or second half. Ideally, he would be the first half version of himself moving forward. Uh, the second half version of him had more power than he showed at the lowest levels of the minor leagues, but it was still more the lower level version of Ortega than what we had seen in prior years than, than what we had seen in the first half of this year. Sorry. Uh, that's Dennis Ortega. I like Dennis Ortega a lot. I think that, uh, you know, one thing that really stuck out to me about being at spring training in 2018 was that Dennis Ortega was on the backfields commanding the field. You know, he's on the field, not with Yadier Molina. is just kind of hanging out, but he Major League coaches, Major League players, and he's commanding the drills. Uh, it, that really impressed me. The Cardinals love Jeremy Martinez. He's another catching prospect and Martina, you can just tell the difference in, like, presence between the two. I don't understand necessarily the, the, the Jeremy Martinez love, uh, not to bring that in, not to even get on that. I just think it's really interesting that uh, you can really tell on the backfields during a spring training game that a catcher has gravitas, and uh, that's Ortega. Ortega has gravitas. He doesn't have Yadier Molina gravitas, and I even check, hit on that in the article, but he has that. He has that respect, that command. And it's something really, really interesting to see as I take another sip of tea. Sorry about this. Uh, So keep an eye on Dennis Ortega. I'll tell you right now is kind of a little uh, always be teasing moment. He's number three of the catchers on our list. As we get to our next round, we're going to address another catcher. And then towards the end of our little countdown thing, uh, we'll get to Andrew Kisner, who was a top-five prospect in the organization. Sorry to ruin that. Sorry for the spoiler there. Uh, you'll just have to wait and see where he fits in the top five. But what I'll tell you as I, as I ramble on here about Dennis Ortega, my final thoughts about Dennis Ortega, his defense is going to work. His defense might be enough to carry him to the major leagues. Uh, will it be, you know, Drew. in the article I mentioned Drew Butera. It has the potential to be as good as Drew Butera, who is a very good defensive catcher. Uh, he has... Eric Fryer level defensive capabilities. Remember, Eric Fryer was a, a serviceable backup, a very solid defensive backup. He he's that like he can be that level. Uh, really impressive catcher. If he can continue to have the 13 to 20 doubles and five to 10 home runs while hitting you know 280, 330, 390, uh, that's you know and that's like on the low end there. The Cardinals have a piece that they're going to be able to work with for a couple of years. He, his ceiling is higher than that. I'm telling you, when you watch his swing, when you watch the gifs in the article, you're going to be really impressed with his swing. So keep an eye on that. But uh, great pitch framer. I'm really, really happy and excited about the progress that Ortega made in 2018, and I think he will be too. So... Uh, that's all I'm going to say about Ortega. That wraps up this round of the Dirty 35 podcast sectioning. We'll come up with a name for it eventually, I'm sure. Uh, probably in like two years. Uh, so to, again, to recap, prospect number 30, right-handed pitcher Connor Jones. 29, right-handed relief pitcher Seth Elledge. 28, right-handed pitcher Angel Rondone, 27, second baseman, third baseman-ish Max Schrock. And 26th, catcher Dennis Ortega. Uh, Again, Kyle KYLER416 on Twitter, KYLER416 at yahoo.com if you want to email me. Give me your thoughts, your feelings, all that stuff. Uh, If you're listening to this, watching this, you're part of the resistance. Uh, As always, family, thank you for being here. For everybody at Birds on the Black, everybody at Prospects After Dark, uh, happy hunting. We'll see you again soon.